So I threw the headphones on. I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to listen to some worship music. And despite what's happening in my life, I'm going to worship God. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. And as always on the show, we talk to everyday people about how God transformed their hearts and hear their stories of how they're encouraged to share their faith. And my guest today was a goalie in Division One hockey in the U.S. for four years. He spent some time in the business field in our nation's capital. And today, he's made the trek down from the hunt camp. He's the, one of the co-founders of Catching Deers. Please welcome Bud Fisher. Excited to be on the Toddcast. Hey, excited to have you here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming out. I hope we're not interrupting the hunt too much, but appreciate you spending some time with us today, bro. No, I got back from the hunt on Saturday, so yeah, I'm I got a, I got a week off here. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Regroup, re yeah. re. Uh, yeah. A week off from hunting, not from working. Yeah, and right. The, the two kind of collide now, don't they? <laughs> they yeah. do, right? That's awesome. Yeah. So, Bud, man, um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming down, and uh, let's just start talking. I know you grew up in in the church and stuff like that, but can you talk about what that was like for you as a kid? And yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I grew up in a Christian family. My parents actually met at Graphite Bible Camp back. I won't say what year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I grew up in the church and I was, um, in athletics a lot and it was the kind of family that, uh, the family in the church was first and the athletics came, came second. And, um, and so it was, uh, I was, a, I was a goalie and, and we had games at, at noon on Sundays. And so that posed a problem. So uh, as soon as church was over, we'd hop in, we had a van, we'd hop in the van and I'd be getting ready in the van on the way. And I'd, I'd walk in with skate guards on and half my gear together. And then I'd hop on the bench halfway through the, or like at the end of the first period. And I'd play the second half of the, of the uh, Sunday games. And so it was very serious for, for our, our family, uh, our faith and, and, um, and, and our family time together. And that was church. And, um, so yeah, that, that's what I, I grew up in. I grew up going to, going to Bible camp in the summer and things like that. Um, so inside of the church, I think I had a, a very normal childhood. Um, it was only now looking back at, um, in hindsight and in the way that the world, the world is now that that wasn't normal for everybody, but that was normal for me and for my, my friends group and things like that. So, um, so I grew up kind of thinking that I didn't, didn't have much of a, a testimony, right. That, uh, that, um, I just kind of was, was born into that. And, and I, I was, um, you know, I, I was saved at a, at a young age, um, was always off to Bible camp, going to youth groups and things like that. Um, and it was kind of, a uh, it wasn't a mountain that I climbed in a weekend. It wasn't the, the big God revealed himself, but it was a, a slow journey uphill, I would say, over a long period of time. And it's not until you're at the, oh, I wouldn't say that I'm at the top, but not until you've traveled a long way that you can look back and see what God has done uh, at every step of the way. And, and not even realizing in that moment that, that it was him, mm. you can look back and see it. And that's kind of what my, what my testimony has been. There's been a lot of, a lot of times like that where I've come through things and then look back and say, wow, I didn't realize in the moment that that was God, but wasn't that, wasn't that incredible then, you know, yeah. wasn't that really something? So, um, yeah, I mean, I I um, I had my first real, real um, 
encounters and decisions for myself and where am I going to go with my life when I, I left to go play college hockey, as, as you mentioned. Um, I had great Christian friends. Uh, I was going to youth groups. Um, hockey was a challenge sometimes in the, in the locker room for me. I would get... I had other coaches saying, you know, oh, F off, go read your Bible, you know, stuff like that. But that wasn't the kind of, you know, persecution or big life choices that a, that a lot of people are faced with and I see now. Um, but when I went away from my support group and was on my own in a brand new place uh, with a lot of pressures, uh, living alone for the first time in, in university, that's when, you know, I kind of came to came to a crossroads. And I would say at the end of my end of my first year, I had started to go to, um, you know, um, the fellowship of Christian athletes and some, uh, you know, Bible studies and stuff like that in, um, in university. And I never, never partied much. Um, I never, never drank a lot, but when I, when I did go, when I did go out, I kind of started to first experiment with, okay, how am I going to live my life in terms of following Christ at university? How am I going to fit in with my peers in that context? Mm. I did go out and I did, you know, do some drinking and things like that. Um, and I, I remember very, very vividly kind of one moment where I had felt the pressure of somebody who was asking me to become a leader in the fellowship of Christian athletes there at school. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of pressure that, um, I'd handled well at times and not well at other times to be one of the guys and a part of the hockey team and the, the hockey culture on campus, which, um, which was definitely not a, not a Christian culture. And I remember God just saying, um, okay, bud, there's two roads now and you can't, you can't walk both paths. Right. So are you going to, um, be a disciple of me on this campus? And are you going to live your life for me? Or are you going to be one of the guys, right? Are you going to go and are you going to party every chance you can? And are you going to, um, try to have as much fun as you can packed into four years? And, um, and so that was a moment where it was like, I probably didn't realize it then, but that was a moment that's like, okay, this is, um, this is two paths kind of veering apart and this is going to shape how I'm going to live probably the rest of my life. Right. Um, so I, I decided, you know what, I'll be, I'll be one of the guys and I'll be, uh, and I'll, I'll go out with my friends in certain contexts, but I'm not going to, in, in that context, I'm going to live differently than, than they will. So a lot of times I would go out with my friends and I'd be the designated driver, or I'd say, I'm not going to go out, but I'll be at home and call me when you want to come home and I'll, I'll pick you up. And so that, that started to, after that, after that first year, um, or after that first, I guess, half year, maybe, um, that started to give me more of an identity um, both for myself and for uh, my teammates of, of who I was as a person and what I what I valued and then there, there was a, a lot of pressure early on to to stray from that and then you know it was remarkable how quickly they just I think it was also convenient for them <laughs> like, you know <laughs> well we could we could you know try to twist your arm and make you, you know, but do then we don't, have a, but then yeah. we don't have a ride. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it was like, okay, well, you know, 
I, I would, I remember going, uh, there was a little pub near our, um, <laughs> near our, it was actually our landlord that owned a Mexican restaurant, but it was actually more of a bar. Um, and we would go after our hockey games and we would go on, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't go out a lot because we had to be disciplined with our hockey. All of us were like hockey first. So that was like, um, you know, we could go out on a Saturday night and then Monday we had to have practice and then we, we had to uh, play again on, on Friday and then again on Saturday. And so we weren't even thinking about the, the party thing. So it was a big Saturday night thing. Uh, but I remember sitting at the bar with, with my buddies, um, and they were all, you know, ordering pictures and all that stuff. And I walked across to the convenience store across the road and got a tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be like, I'd be eating ice cream at the bar and ordering a, you know, a diet Coke. And then I drive all, you know, drive all the boys home. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of what, what university looked like for me after I had, that made that, you know, decision. And that wasn't to say I never had a beer or anything like that, but it was just, I, I wanted to stand, I, I wanted to honor God with all those decisions that, that I was making there. Um, and that wasn't an easy time or an easy task or anything like like that, but God uh, really did some incredible things when when I was there well, and, at university, and that's a testimony into itself, man. I've t- talked to a lot of people who, you know, would, would have grown up in the church and feel like they don't have a testimony, but there yeah. is. Like that's that's rich what you said. It's in there, right? Because that culture in uh, this was connecticut you were in right, right? Yeah, yeah well in the u.s or from what yeah. we see but even here in canada right the university it's a big party scene and a oh, lot yeah. of kids fall into that and then you know blow their education or right so that's yeah the, the, yeah we're in connecticut and it was a it was a, a big big party school that i was at um it was you know two girls to one guy uh, a lot of money there 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 was we were right close to actually you'd find this interesting we were right close to toad's uh place which is in new haven connecticut um and that was a, a bar like a great big bar party scene for yale it was basically on the yale campus but the reason i say you th- you would think it was interesting is it's got a bit of a it, well it's got a very rich history in, in music because that was a place where the stones the first uh north american um uh, concert that the stones ever did was at toad's place in new wow. haven connecticut and so um they had tons and tons and tons of awesome bands coming in all the time because it was considered good luck so um they have these big posters all over the place and they'd have really awesome bands coming to this really intimate setting and so that was that was really cool we went to i regret that i didn't go to to more concerts there um the one night i was supposed to go to actually we were just talking about um you know before we went went on the air here but um was um tragically hip yeah and I was all ready to go and I got a migraine that night. And I like, it was one of those migraines where I was like, I thought I was going to be sick to my stomach and all that. And I didn't get a chance to go. And I never did see, um, the hip in, in concert ever after that. So that was too bad, but. Well, um, I never, I never saw them either, yeah. unfortunately. But you know, if, if, uh, if I went to school down there, yeah. I would have failed because I probably would be still working at that bar right now. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so back, back to your point though, Todd, um, the testimony thing, I, I've, I've felt, you know, like you hit on it. Like I didn't really have much of a testimony that was just kind of a, a slow progression through my life. And, and, you know, as C.S. Lewis says, the law of undulation, right? Like the, the feeling coming, 
close to God, God revealing himself and then kind of feeling more away and then back in this, this slow up and down, um, um, you know, sign curve up, and then that's kind of in a slow upward trajectory through my life. And, and, um, so there's been these moments where I felt really far away and then, you know, something happens or God moves and then I feel close and then I feel, and that's, you know, um, I forget what book it is. If it's, um, the problem of pain or if it's in, I don't think it's in mere Christianity that, that C.S. Lewis talks about that law of undulation. That really hit home for me because that's been a lot about my my testimony right and and i always seem to think and maybe this is uh something about our culture right is that things have to happen all at once or have to happen quickly and then i think you know the israelites in the in the desert for 40 years and it's like my goodness there's you know there's time to this and there's um we don't always see our life or the world in the context that God does and what he's doing and what his timing is. Yeah. So, you know, I look at that and I have a lot of hope that, you know, the best is, is yet to come. So, and you know what, that's interesting actually that you poke, the, uh, that you speak about that scripturally, right? Cause like, yeah, there is that there's the disciples who followed them. Of course, they mm-hmm. didn't know what the Messiah was supposed to be like, but it was a process. And then you have Paul. Yeah. Right. Who yeah. boom in a moment. Yeah. Right. So yeah, there's yeah. just a multitude. Yeah. I wasn't so, I, I didn't have the luxury of, of <laughs> Jesus revealing himself and them, you know, as I'm walking down the road and blinding me for three days. Right. But yeah, no, that, that, is, you know, one of those big stories and you hear those stories in our culture too, where, you know, if you watch the I am second videos, which I love so much, it's the, the rock stars that are, you know, that almost died, you know, on an overdose and then God revealed himself in a big way. And that wasn't it for me. And so a lot of my life, it felt like, you know, I don't have that much of a testimony, but when you think about what, as I get older and I look back and I look at the tendencies of the, 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 brokenness of humans um it doesn't take much for me to look back and go my goodness like there is god has worked in incredible ways because i don't know i i didn't have the testimony of like the cocaine overdose but i sure as you know heck might have if if god hadn't moved at certain times in my life or it or i hadn't had the family support that god gave me i certainly see as a gift from god um and uh and i and i see those glimpses of of my my brokenness and of what I would be as a fallen human, yeah. you know, if if God hadn't uh, rescued me, right? Absolutely, reached down in my despair and and rescued me. And I've and I've had glimpses of that. I, I think of one thing in particular. Um, I was, I was, you had mentioned after, after college, I got married. Um, I lived in Ottawa for 10 years and was in some business stuff. Um, had some up and downs in that certainly that, God taught me some big, big life lessons in, in those times that, uh, it didn't feel like, hey, this is God moving. It felt like my life's falling apart, right? And it wasn't until after that that I, in hindsight, saw what, what God was doing. But one of those moments was uh, I was working at a software company and I was managing a group of, I don't know, 12 or 15 kind of inside sales reps. And it wasn't going very well. Um, things were starting to, to fall apart in that, in terms of the, the company and the way that they'd structured things in Canada, in terms of my team and our success. And, and um, I saw the end in sight for that they were going to I didn't know it then but I, I knew that things were going to be changing and they ended up restructuring uh, all of Canada and that meant I was out of a job I felt it coming I just didn't know how it was going to happen mm-hmm. and um, my marriage at, at that point probably was in 
um, the worst place that it's that it's been in my we're, we're coming up on 13 years here in the in the um, in the summer and that was probably the low point of our marriage at that same time emotionally I, I probably wasn't in a good place as well and I remember sitting on a city bus and like I can there's not many points in my life particularly that far back this is probably I don't know seven years ago now maybe I can't remember but that I re- remember so vividly right like I feel like sometimes I can sit down and close my eyes and feel like I'm still in that moment. It was that big of a deal for me where I was like this, my life is absolutely coming unglued right now. I'm going to lose my job. My marriage isn't a good place. I'm emotionally a mess. I don't know what's going to happen over the next six months or where I'm going to be. And I realized that it's not like, I, I realized that that is not, um, as big as some of the problems that some of your listeners might have. Um, I didn't lose my wife to cancer or a child, heaven forbid, or anything like that. But that in that moment felt like too much for me to handle in where I was at. Right. And so, um, I remember, I remember sitting there and thinking, uh, there's, there's a song, um, where I'll, I'll, praise you in the storm. And so I had headphones on cause I was on a city bus. And, um, even though I'm an extrovert, I, I don't necessarily like interacting in those contexts. <laughs> so I threw the headphones on. I said, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna listen to some worship music. And despite what's happening in my life, I'm going to worship God. Mm. And that was an, uh, that was a decision that maybe wasn't easy for me to make at the time. Cause I certainly didn't feel like it. Uh, and I, and I didn't, didn't want to be there. I want to feel sorry for myself. I wanted to do, um, you know, all of that stuff. Um, I wanted to try to fix the problem. And, and what happened was I made that conscious decision and got, I, I've never felt the way that I felt in that moment in, in my life. I'm sitting, <laughs> I'm sitting on a city bus across from people, all this stuff I had tears running down my face and it was probably the most joy, um, like in those top three moments of like, you know, your kids are born, you're, you're married. And like, that was the most pure joy as a gift from God that I, I didn't earn or wasn't contextual. It was just like, God just put that on me, um, that, that I've ever felt. It was, it was one of those moments that I can't describe and I can't, I, you know, um, but amidst the the chaos what what it kind of like like biblically contextually maybe it was like i'm getting a vision right now of jesus sleeping in the boat in the storm waves are crashing things are going nuts everybody's panicking and jesus is like having a snooze yeah it kind of felt like that because um there was this moment of just like peace and joy that was that didn't make any sense right and it's like if this isn't a gift from god then i I don't know what is right that change that kind of was probably the biggest moment in my life that, that changed everything um and so i've had people since then um ask me the question like how do you know that that God is real or what if you're wrong? Right. And, and I've had, I remember I, there's a friend that I went to a a hockey game in, in Montreal. Um, and, um, we were driving home to Ottawa. So it wasn't, it was a couple hours. And he said like, how do you know that God is real? Or, or if, you know, or, um, what if he's not real? Right. And what I said to him is, is I didn't even, I I might've told him that story, but the one thing that I remember saying is, is look, um, I know, and I kind of, I didn't turn the, the, 
I didn't turn like introspective. I, I shone kind of the light on my mother who I, I love and respect. And she's like an absolute prayer warrior. Um, I didn't want to give my, myself as an example cause I'm such a broken example. So, so my mom, I said, look, man, um, it takes faith. Like I, I can't prove to you, uh, what's going to happen here. Like, I can't prove to you that God exists just like you can't prove to me that God doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you this, if, if something happened to my mom where everything absolutely fell apart, lost her family, lost money, lost job, lost her health, lost everything. I know for a fact that my mom would still have an immense amount of joy in all of that. And that's something that I want in my life. That's the rock that I want to build my life upon. Yeah. And so that's why I live the way that I do. And he kind of looked at me and went, well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, like I can't, I can't explain that any other way. Like, do you have in your life a foundation that if everything that you cared about went away, you'd still be all right or would you not be all right? And it was like, gosh, I don't know, but I should probably something I should think about, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's so gonna... it's so interesting. There is water there too. A four eight broken you, but yeah, it's so interesting and right and it, you know, and it lends truth to the your just your encounter on the bus, yeah. right? He'll never leave us or forsake us. Yeah, yeah, and but this is what we can't explain is these tangible encounters that are inexplicable. Although you explained it, but still, for yeah, somebody to yeah. really understand of how you encountered God's presence that gave you joy, yeah, on a city bus, looking at people who have no idea. Yeah. What's going on with you? That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, well, it was, like I said, it was one of those moments that'll, you know, yeah, change my life forever. So, yeah. So, uh, what, what ended up happening with the job? What, what's the end of this oh, yeah, time I got of fired. your life in Ottawa? Yeah, I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> but you had yeah. joy. Yeah, yeah. So, and not in every moment, right? Like, not in, not in every moment. There's yeah. t- times of that 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 were that were really hard and that were brutal. And but I, but through it all, I felt like you know it's going to be all right. You know, and yeah. it's not to say that like. Well, I, I would say that it's not. I was going to say it's not to say that joy is the be all and end all. However, I, I would say that the joy matters a lot, and, and biblically as well. I would say that happiness isn't the be all and end all because you can go and you can find happiness in fleeting things, and then you know, and then as much as that high of that happiness is, it's followed by a low that's maybe even lower. And so, I would say joy versus versus happiness is a very big deal. You think of Jesus on the cross, right? Uh, he endured um, the pain and suffering. Why? For the joy set before him, yeah. right? And so that, that joy uh, in a biblical context is is very important. And that's one of the things that I've looked at. And a guy like um, like Piper, I've done a lot of digging into um, into to him. And, and you know, um, and he talks a lot about joy because, you know, the only place that true joy comes from is, is Christ. And we're, and we're kind of fooling ourselves a little bit if we don't think that as humans we're wired to, to pursue joy and to pursue that peace that, that comes with it. And, and so it's a good thing to pursue joy because the only way, you know, you might, might look in the wrong places a bunch of times, but the only way you're actually going to find it is through, is through Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay. So 
then you obviously got another job in Ottawa. You yeah. did something else in Ottawa. And then take us through the, the steps in Ottawa, which brought sure, you back yeah. to the, where you are now. And we'll, we'll go, we'll go Cole's notes here. So I, I, um, that was a, a weird, that was a weird time. Um, things happened that I didn't like, obviously that was like, uh, they gave me a performance review and said, yeah, no, everything's great. And then two weeks later I was gone, <laughs> you know, and they're like, that ah, was your performance. And then like another month after that, the whole organization was restructured. So they, they, they didn't do things exactly truthfully in that process. And, and, you know, so I had to, I had to deal with that. And then I was trying to figure out exactly where I wanted to go next. Cause I had a few different opportunities that I could pursue back in the finance game that I was in before and then in tech. And I actually had a, a friend of mine from church that said, um, Hey, but I've got a, I've got an interview set up for you in a call. And I was like, well, that's bold. Like, not like, Hey, here's some place that you should, it was like, I've got this set up. And I was like, I don't even want to do this. Like, I don't want to work there, you know, but okay, well, thanks. And, and out of respect for him, I said, okay, well, I'll have a call. Got on the call. It happened to be with the gentleman that I told you that I went to the hockey game with. Okay. He, yeah. That was my boss that, yeah. that I went to that game with, had that conversation with. Anyway, we got on the phone and, and, you know, I, I wasn't particularly interested in this job and I really liked this guy. He was a goalie and we, we hit it off and there was great people and people's, people's everything, you know, and, and, and it seemed like a great culture and it was a good job. And, um, I was like, okay, well this, that was a good conversation. Then he invited me in for an in-person interview, went in for the in-person and I drove home after that in-person interview and I said to my wife, I was like, I'm going to get that job and I'm going to take it. And I, it was out of left field. And so I, I worked there for, um, three years and I really enjoyed that. Um, made some really great friends, had a good time. It was a great company to work for and culture. And, and, um, and then it wasn't until, um, a friend of mine down in Nashville offered me a different, different job. Um, Austin, who is now, CEO of Catch and Deers and, and my business partner in that along with my, my brother Mike and there's there's other gentlemen here in town that are that are partners of ours as well but um, he said hey I want you to come and, and work for me and, and uh, do sales with me he does private label manufacturing in the apparel space and that's why Catch and Deers exists I'll get into that in more detail um, and so I, I ended up leaving that software job to go and work with him in, in Nashville I worked from home in Canada and I traveled down to Nashville pretty frequently and so I did that for a year, almost, it wasn't even a year. I did that probably for only a, a few months and, and then catching deers kind of fell into my, into my lap and it fell into my lap because, um, pardon me, we were at the, we were at the hunt camp in, in Austin who owns the, and is the CEO of the company, um, said, came into the hunt camp and said, did you catch anything? <laughs> and we were like, oh man. So we didn't let it go as, as good buddies do. You, yeah. you, you beat a dead horse and oh, make fun yeah. for a long time. And then the following year, um, uh, we went back to hunt camp and I, I went into the office there and in, uh, in Nashville and had, and, and asked them to make me six black and white foam trucker hats that said catch and deers in bold letters as a joke. And as something that we could do, um, you know, at, at wear them at the hunt camp and be funny. And we got there and loved them. And, you know, there was Mike and Austin and I, and we, we said, you know, let's, let's fire this thing up. You know, we can probably sell a bunch of these. And we didn't know to what extent, or we didn't know, you know, necessarily what the roadmap was, but, um, we said, let's, so we, so we, 
got a, a URL, like a, a web page. We got the Facebook and the Instagram account for Catching Deers, and and then said, well, it's got to be lighthearted because the name's Catching Deers for crying out loud, and that's who we are, right? And we we, yeah. we also didn't. We also felt like there was a need because in that hunting space, everything seemed to be real hardcore, real. Um, you got to work harder for that deer. You got to, and for us, the hunting experience, as much as we love it and we will work hard and we'll do all those things. The thing that, that, that was the biggest for us was, was the relationships and the lightheartedness and that fact that we can make fun of our buddy. And we look forward to like a guy's weekend as much as we do to shoot a deer, you know what I mean? And so so we, we didn't think that was really represented in the space. And so we decided to make a video that would kind of represent that and, and launch that foam trucker hat. And so we launched a, uh, uh, one product on, on a webpage with a, with a video on a Facebook page with zero followers and zero other posts. And, and it, it remarkably took off and went viral. And then we're, five almost five and a half years now wow. in and um and still growing and and yeah it's it's been a it's been a wild ride we've got employees now and we've got a um, large number of retailers and in, in u.s and in canada and it's been a real real blessing and so it's so much so that you know we look at it and we go wow this is this is of god this is you know a gift to us so what can we do you know to honor god with mm. you know with what he's given us so yeah yeah that's and and yeah you know just i never hunted i was always a hippie i like to look at the deer (laughs) yeah just stare at them you know um although i'm a meditarian so i do appreciate the hunt and those who do it okay yeah Uh, um but um just as you said that i yeah there's a you know camaraderie when you when you go and if you're sitting in a blind with people together Mm -hmm. or just being at the hunt camp and stuff and so can you share some stories? Cause we, you, you had shared yeah, a story with yeah. me before about some opportunities. Cause sure it's your main buddies, but I'm sure there must be times in your, in your business yeah. now where you're bringing other people and some experiences that you've had of getting to know people. Well, I'll tell you, there's been times when I've gone out to say Saskatchewan and sat in a, sat in a ground blind with somebody that I, I knew a little bit. I knew from social media or I knew from a friend of a friend or is a, is a friend that I would go and go hunting with. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you think you know somebody and you've spent some time with somebody, whether it be at trade shows or whether it be, you know, on the phone or texting. And then it's like seven in the morning until six at night, you're sitting in a ground blind together for seven days. (laughs) It's like you get to know somebody really, really well. if You spend, you know, 50, 60, you know, 60 hours with them in a week. Right. So with nothing to do, but kind of be like, so you got any siblings? <laughs> it's like you're just sitting there staring at the trees. So yeah, I've had a lot of a lot of great experiences and built some relationships. And I think the one that that comes out the most, and this is, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, a missionary, and I'm I'm going through this journey just like a, I'm sure a lot of your a lot of your listeners are. And there's there's ups and downs and good days and bad. I I am a I'm a layman in in the church, you know, but but there is this one, this one story that stands out to me that, um, that was awesome. I was in a, a ground blind, um, deer hunting in Kentucky. And, uh, we do when we're in Kentucky for the opening weekend, it's a really special weekend for us. That's where we started catching deer. It's not the same weekend, but that place. And, and, um, we all get together and sometimes there's 12 guys, sometimes there's six guys, but we get together and we hunt and, and that particular hunt, because it's in September in Kentucky, it can be like 
85, 90 degrees during the day, and then it only cools down at night. And so the deer don't move. They, they're in their beds and they're, you know, they just kind of get up to drink water and stuff during, during the day. But then they come out into the cornfields and bean fields and things at night. And so you only hunt for three hours in the, in the afternoon, evening. Um, so the rest of the time you're there in hunt camp with the guys and you're shooting your bows and you're watching college football and you're do, doing all those things, right? Shenanigans and stuff. But every, but every morning when we're there, we like to have like a sharing Bible time. And if we can have a local pastor come or a friend of a friend that's got an incredible story to share or, or, or whatever, we'll, we'll do that. And so there was uh, one of our friends came and he was going to film me in our, in our, um, in, in my hunt. And, um, he had gone through a couple revs of those morning Bible studies and we were sitting there together. Another one of those moments where you're two, three hours and you're just in the ground blind and nothing's going on. And, uh, and I said to him kind of out of the blue, I kind of felt a bit of a, a bit of a stirring maybe. And I said, so, so what do you think about that, that Bible study stuff? And he said to me, uh, he said, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Like what, um, talk to me about where you're at and, you know, in your, in your life. Um, and he said, well, um, I've had ups and downs and, you know, like everybody has. And he said, I think that, that as long as it helps you to live your life or to be a better person, um, whether it's. Christianity and Jesus, whether it's Buddhism, whether it's yoga, whatever that faith-based thing is, as long as it helps you, then I think it's good. And in that moment, um, I felt it (laughs) loud and clear. Uh, God said to me, tell him the truth. Mm. And I was like, oh man, like I didn't, I didn't want to get into this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I don't want to get into this right now. I was making conversation, you know, and, and like it was, it would have been, let me, let me put it this way. It would have been very easy to go. Yeah, man. No, for sure. Like, you know, and, um, is that a new, is that a new truck that you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just felt it like my, my kind of my heart you know, dropped. It was like, God is like, tell him the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, that was one of those moments where it's like, Oh boy. Okay. So I said to him, I said, um, I said, look, um, you, you believe in God. You told me that, um, there comes a point when if you believe in God, then you have to to look closely at what he says and ask yourself whether or not, and this might not be, this might be paraphrased, right? But this was the point. This was the point of it. You have to ask yourself whether or not what he said is the truth, because there's only one truth. There's only one God that created the universe. God didn't create your universe and Buddha, something else, somewhere else. I said, so if you believe what we're talking about, there comes with that a weight and a responsibility mm. and the responsibility is to protrude is to pursue the truth at all costs and make a decision that what we're talking about is right. And that means that other things are, are wrong. We don't live in a world like we don't live in a world where whatever works for you works for everybody. We live in a world where if God created the world, and that's where our peace comes from. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Then that is the truth. And you need to recognize that truth. And that might mean that other things are wrong. And he goes, well, yeah, I never really thought of it like that. And I said, when you, when you decide that that is the truth, you'll need to commit to that truth. 
and and commit your life to, to Jesus. And that's where the peace and the joy and the everything that we've been talking about, that right there is where it, where it comes from. Um, highly paraphrased. And, uh, and I said, whenever you're ready to make that commitment, I'm, I'm here. I'd love to talk to you. I'll talk to you about it all day long. Um, and I was kind of like, I kind of, I kind of phrased it in a way. It was like, go away and think about it. Right. And he goes, I want to do that right now. Wow. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) You know? And so I said, I said, all right, let's do it. So we, we, I said, pray with me bowed our heads and prayed. And I mean, I, I had tears like dripping off my chin. He was, he had tears rolling off his face. Um, cause he'd been, th- he'd been through a lot as well. Um, and, and he committed his, he committed his life to Christ right there. in that, in that ground blind, we opened up our eyes and like everything was blurry. Obviously we're like rubbing, <laughs> like rubbing the tears in my eyes, I open up and there's like six deer in the field. And it was just like this kind of, you know, insignificant yet poetic kind of moment, right? And so, yeah, he committed his his life to Christ right there. And what was incredible for me is how God just put it upon me, just tell him the truth. And I was like, what do you want? Like, you know, I'm thinking, what do you want me to say, right? Just like, okay, if you want me to tell him the truth, you need you need to give me the words to say, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm going to mess this up. I don't know what to say. I don't know. You know, I'm just this this guy right that like i felt I felt pressure i was like okay god the pressure's on you if you want me to do this and uh and the other thing that was so evident that was really cool is like um when i tell that story some sometimes people people and i haven't told it a, a, a lot I, I don't want it to be like self-aggrandizing or whatever right like I, it wasn't this is my point if i if i share that story they're like oh you know people will use the term you led him to christ it's like, no, 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 that's not at all what happened, right? It's like, I came, I, what I experienced and what I did in that ground blind was a gift for, for me yeah. because God pulled me into this moment in, in his journey. It started a long time ago and God had been whispering and God had been bringing about people in his life a yeah. long time ago that um, like, like my brother was a huge influence on his life and he knew, he knew that God was the reason that, that he lived that way. And that, that, you know, he met my parents and our, our family and, and he knew other Christians that lived in a certain way. I think he'd gone to church before. And then, and then God spoke through the people that had come and, and join us at hunting camp and all of these things led up. And then, you know, God just through me. I don't even know that God planted the question. God just, you know, through me said, what do you think about the God stuff? Right. And then, and then there was admittedly one moment, only one moment where God asked me to obey him. And the fruit of that, that I chose to say yes, was that I got to experience that moment with my friend where he committed his life. Yeah. And I still get emotional now thinking about it, but I got to experience that. I think if I didn't obey, then God would have been like, you done missed out, man. And then mm. like next week he would have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, he, regardless that God had set in motion and God had already started to work and move and, and ultimately he would have committed his life to Christ, but I wouldn't get to experience what I did in that blind. And so, um, and so I was after that, I was like, my goodness, like, thank you, Lord, that you, you chose to give me that gift yeah. of being there 
and of experiencing that, you know, that moment of transformation in my, in my friend's life. And so, you know, um, I guess, I guess I encourage your listeners that if God asks you to obey, that it's not necessarily that he needs you to obey. He doesn't need anything from you, right? Because God is God, and he, he, I, I don't believe that God will be frustrated in his will. He'll just use somebody else or something else. Yeah. But if you don't obey, my goodness, are you missing out on, on some sort of blessing, right? Yeah. So that was, that was a really, really cool that was a really cool moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome story. That's an awesome story. And it's, it's like, you know, you were saying you're not an, an active guy in church in the sense of whatever, helping out or doing whatever in the church, but like the church is everywhere, right? Even in a ground blind. And, and like you said, man, he doesn't need to use us, Mm -hmm. but he just wants to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, again, I, I, I over quote Lewis because he's, he's had a huge impact in my life, but he says, um, that if a God who needs, um, if a God who needs nothing chooses to need us, then we need to be needed, right? Like the point is like, if God uses us in his grand plan, it's for us, not for him. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that, that was a, a quote that had an impact me on me as well. Um, but the, yeah, that was for sure a moment that, I mean, I, I got emotional just thinking about it now and that was, you know, four years ago. So. Yeah. Uh, it touched my heart too. Um, but we're, we're just about out of time here, but, um, I just want to ask you with all the things that you've experienced and, uh, your foundation growing up, um, what do you hope for and what do you want to share with your kids are really little now, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, uh, what, what are your hopes for them to see and, you know, what would you like to share with them so that they really know that, that how real the Lord is and what Mm -hmm. he's done in your life? I'm going to have to think about this for a second. Um, One, when I think about my, my, my little boy, Wesley is five. Um, He's accepted Christ into his life. Um, I I realize that's a very young age and he doesn't understand everything, but that was a commitment that he wanted to make. And I, I encouraged it through and through. That was, that was on his birthday with me in bed after we read the, uh, every night we read um, a Bible story from various different books. And, and that was, you know, um, the timing worked out really cool because it was Jesus dying on the cross and, and, um, you know, shared that whole story with him and, and what the significance of, of that was. And I know that he doesn't at five understand everything, but, but he wanted to, to make the commitment to, to follow Jesus. And, and he is, and that's the most important thing for me and my children is, is that they, uh, live for Christ and that they, um, that they make a commitment to, to follow Christ. Um, I said this a long time ago. I said, um, I asked, this was actually a tweet probably almost 10 years ago, I asked God to reveal himself for, to me. And he gave to me a desire to read his word. Um, I admit that I haven't always, I've been up and down. And one thing, one of my, one of my regrets in my life is that I'm 35 and I don't think I've studied it and I don't 
understand it as much as I should. And one thing I want to instill in my children first is that they, they accept Christ. And two is that they, that they study God's word because, well, we actually just recently did the, did the, um, the story of the, uh, well, it's a, it's a parable of Christ building her house on the, on the rock. And I want my kids to build their house on the rock. And simply put, that means that our culture is shifting so fast. You know, it's quicksand for crying out loud. You can now be canceled from something that was socially accepted acceptable five years ago now all of a sudden isn't and and you can be retroactively canceled for that um, and things change and move so fast that you know it doesn't move is is the word of god and it's a rock and um, i want to help my kids to build their life on the rock and that is that is understanding and leaning into the word of God to hear from him on a daily basis. Cause no matter what you're going through, no matter what happens in your life, um, God's word is there and he'll reveal himself through that. So. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing those stories. Oh, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah. I appreciate you coming by. And, uh, as much as retelling that story moved you, it mo- moved me. And I'm sure it's going to move our listeners. So thanks. Thanks again, bud. I hope you enjoyed our chat with uh, Bud Fisher today. And uh, it just really speaks to the truth that God is omnipresent. Whether you're on a city bus and you're down, or whether you're in a ground blind there's opportunities and he wants you to be part of them and happiness is okay but it is temporary but his joy is eternal be blessed my friends we'll see you next week